welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, and welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast for the week. Hope you had a smashing weekend. I've got to say, my garden is, I'm feeling quite chuffed with myself. Gardening sadhana, hashtag gardening sadhana, is uh, starting to really... Um, pay off. Things are looking fabulous. So thanks to folks who I think I've posted some like garden porn, uh, daffodils, buddleia, cherry blossom. (laughs) Thanks to everybody who's uh, loving on that on the socials. I appreciate that. So today we're talking about Dasamukha and how the teachings of Dasamukha can trip us up. Man. And in fact, I have had a coaching call already today with such a perfect example of this fabulous yoga teacher uh, with some drama preventing the fabulousness from being as resplendent as uh, the world needs it to be. So we're going to be talking about that before we get going. Still a place in my mastermind opening in October if you'd like that and also a place too, in fact, for private one-to-one coaching. So if you're interested in any of those things, the links are in the episode notes. Okay, let's talk about Dasa Mukha and how it can trip us up. So if you don't know, uh, Dasa Mukha, or 10 heads, that could be a giveaway, or 10 faces, um, it's not uh, Pancha Mukha Anjaneya times two. In fact, it's another name for the mustachioed one, Ravana. And yes, so Ravana has 10 heads. He has 20 arms. No one calls him the 20-armed one. It's just maybe too hard to say. So Ravana, quick quick check-in. Ravana is the bad dude uh, in the Ramayana. He's the evil guy with the porn star mustache who's, who, who uh, fancies the hero of the Ramayana. Ram fancies his missus and uh, does some naughty stuff uh, that, as with the you know everything in the Ramayana, <laughs> nothing's just as easy as I want your lady. But for today, uh, that's this dude. He's the he's the uh, he's he becomes through evil ways the king of Lanka. He wasn't supposed to be, but he's a bastard. And he got what he wanted. Anyway, all of this to say that he is going to be our focal point for class today, talking about what does Dasa Mukha mean metaphorically and how can the phenomenon of that uh, trip us up in business? How can we get in our own way when we have 10 heads? Probably at the hairdresser, that would be annoying. Trying to fit earrings. How do you get between your heads to put your earrings? Anyway, there are probably a number of ways that you could get in your own way having 10 heads. 
I'm not going to get through all of them, <laughs> but we've covered the earrings. So let's move on to something more substantial. All right. So let's start with, well, Amy, how the hell did this dude get 10 heads? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to experience other than being the child. I'm never going to experience childbirth, but you would want to hope that he wasn't born with 10 heads. Cause that's a thing. Uh, that's a thing that needs stitches anyway. So, uh, he wasn't fortunately, he was just born with the one, uh, but he, he, as part of the evil plan that, that is his ancestry, part of the reason that he was born was to be all powerful and do bad stuff. And, uh, one of the ways that you get to be all powerful and then therefore do bad stuff is by getting yourself a boon from the gods. Now, it turns out that Brahma, the bestower of these boons, was not a very discerning boon giver. And in fact, if you did the work, you got the boon. Bummer. This means that evil dudes such as Ravana got boons. Uh, Boons being like gifts. Genie of the lamp, you know, whatever. Have your wish. So, so, so you had to do a whole lot of work though, tapasya. You had to really fiercely go at it in terms of your practice in order for the gods to notice you and be like, whoa, dude, what a boom. So um, who knew that Brahma kind of sounded a little bit like Amy's bad version of Keanu Reeves in Point Break? Let's move on. Uh, so he does all of the work. And um, so much so that while he's doing his thing, doing his yoga, showing Brahma how committed he is and how devoted he is, in order to get the payoff, mind you, this is not selfless, this is absolutely selfish, vested interest here, he's so, so committed to his yoga practice that he cuts off his own head. This is how devoted I am. I'm going to cut off my own head for you. That's, you know, that's something that I have on my Tinder profile. Must be prepared to cut off own head <laughs> as a sign of devotion. Could be why she's single, folks. Anyway, so he does that and Brahma's like, man, that was something. Uh, better give you that back. So he gives him another head and he keep, and Ravan is like, okay, well, check me out and cuts off, cuts his head off again. And another one springs back. Anyway, they do this a number of times until the sum total of heads is 10. And uh, they decide that, well, you know, that that's enough. Uh, so then Brahma says, well, that was impressive. And uh, you're quite courageous there. Yeah, anyway, uh, um, would you like a boon? And funnily enough, Ravana says, well, yes, kind sir, I would like a boon. I would like immortality. If I could be bothered to put reverb on that, I would just imagine. And Brahma's like, well, you know what? We don't kind of give that away so easy. So can I get you anything else? And so Ravana says, what about a little bit of Amrita? I'm going to just store it behind the navel there. And, uh, then if I do die, I've got the Amrit. I've got the, you know, the, um, other than just being, you know, hippie cafes, uh, Amrita is also the name of the, what do you call it? Elixir of life. So not a bad backup plan. When you get knocked back with immortality requests, shoot for the Amrita and inside a tip, you store it behind your navel. That's another podcast. Okay. So he's feeling quite chuffed with himself. He's got 10 heads, man. Each one has a mustache. Uh, he's got the Amrita. He's like, check me out. I can do whatever I want. He also has a flying chariot. Yes, you heard me right. He's just cruising, 
the stratosphere in his flying chariot. You can imagine the hair billowing back on all ten heads. He's got the big glasses, Thelma and Louise, except, you know, with, with ten instead of two in the car. He's loving on life, feeling great about himself. He's got a long time to go. He's fairly indestructible, feeling quite fancy. Actually, this is a sidetrack to where we're going, but, you know, fun. So so he's um, he's flying around in his flying magical chariot, uh, as one evil ten mustachioed man does. And, um, well, he's actually a demon, but whatever. It's more nuanced than that, <laughs> says everybody who's a demon. Uh, anyway, so he's flying around and then up flies up this bull, right? Uh, and he's like, yo, man, you know, what are you doing? This is not your fly zone and you shouldn't be around here. Uh, don't you know this is Mount Kailash, a.k.a. Um, Shiva's house right it's his it's his place it's his pad and of course the bull is shiva's um vehicle you know and and he says you know fuck off dude like this is not for you this is this is the this is the home of lord shiva the you know the adi yogi like get the fuck out of here and um you know he's he's indestructible you can't you can't mess with him it's shiva get out and of course mr mustache times 10 is like fuck that look at me i've got I'm rid of behind my navel. I've got a flying chariot, man. Like you can't tell me what to do. Um, and to show off how strong and smart and capable he was, because as well as, uh, you know, having 10 heads and all of the opportunity that presents, he was also actually very smart and devoted, right? Cause he did all of those things to get the boons. So he says, look at me. And he goes to the bottom of Mount Kailash and he, to show Nandi how strong he was, he lifts up the whole mountain, but he's not super strong. Yeah. He lifts it up. He lifts it up just enough to crawl. <laughs> Stupid alert. He lifts it up just enough to crawl in underneath. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, in Mount Kailash, uh, Shiva and Parvati are inside just chilling, whatever, watching a bit of Netflix. And um, th- there's like a rumble downstairs, something, and the, and the table starts shaking and, you know, there's a slosh of drinks. A chai sloshes over the edge of the cup. And Parvati's like, dude, what the hell is going on? There is something happening in the basement. Fix it. And so Shiva sticks his head outside and sees that there's some weirdo dickhead with 10 heads crawled in underneath the mountain. Now, at this point, um, obviously, uh, this is all, um, he's showing off, you know, Ravana is totally showing off. I'm better than the gods. Look at me. I can lift up the mountain. Um, And I love this. I love this. I love this. It's one of the reasons why I just, Shiva is my man. So Shiva sees this and all he does... All he does is just press his big toe down on the floor, right? And instantly Ravana squashed, (laughs) squashed, chuckle, chuckle. Um, And so he starts screaming and crying out because he's now trapped under Mount Kailash because even though he thought he was stronger than the gods, all Shiva had to do was just a little bit of big toe pressure and boom, he's wiped out. So he's screaming and he's carrying on about being released from under the mountain, as as you could imagine. And I guess he's really loud because he's got 10 heads. And one of the stories I was reading talks about how he yelled so loud that the earth tore apart. So he's noisy as well as obnoxious. 
So he's there for a while, approximately a thousand years, and um, in that time gives himself the opportunity to think of a solution. Now, as well as being very, very devoted, very, very smart, uh, Ravana was also exceptional at playing the Veena, right? Who knew? So he thinks, huh, I need to appeal to Shiva here. I need him to get this goddamn mountain off my faces. I need to do something to show how much I respect and value Shiva's strength and power. I'm going to play him some devotional music. I'm going to play him some Veena because I'm really good at it. Except, of course, he's stuck under a mountain and uh, left his Veena at home. So... (laughs) again, depending on the story, he either ripped his head off again because that worked in the past or he just used his arm and his body hair. He either ripped his head off and used his intestines as the strings or his tendons as the strings or uh, the hairs of his arms as the strings of his vena. This is what I love when people think that yogis are all peace and light. No, there's a ten-headed demon trapped under a mountain making musical instruments out of his organs. That's what we talk about in yoga. How peace and love is that? Anyway, so back to the DIY project. A little Hannibal Lecter or something here. So he he makes his vena with his intestines and his tendons and his body hair and starts playing and singing the to to Shiva to 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 um, let Shiva know how much he's all, not only is he a devotee of Brahma he's also highly devoted to 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 Shiva um, and and <laughs> hopefully uh, in hearing the songs Shiva will release him from under the mountain which of course. He does. And I think that's fair. You know, if someone goes to all the trouble to rip their head off, pull out their intestines and their tendons, make a stringed instrument of it, and then play you a song, you know, the least you can do is is help him out a little. So Shiva lets him out from underneath the mountain. Great. And because she was so impressed with the singing and the gore and the heads and the moustaches and the flying chariot and all of it, he says, dude, do you want a boon? And as we know, Ravana is into boons. And so he says, yes, I want to live for, you know, 35 million years. Good. Okay. So now Ravana is even more powerful. He's super, super smart. He's super, super devoted. He's got 10 heads. He's got the Amrita. He's got millions of live years in front of him in terms of lifespan. His best friends are Brahma and Shiva. He's got dudes on the team. Arguably at this point, you would want to hope after putting in this work that you were fairly fucking indestructible. And he thinks he is. So flash to the point where most of us encounter Ravana when he steals Sita from the camp, when Ram and Lakshman were out, I don't know, whatever, buying beard oil, I don't know, doing something, uh, takes her to Lanka. So this is where we normally meet Ravana. 
at this point. So as we know, Hanuman, da da da, fast forward, Hanuman flies over there, gives Sita the ring, says Ram's coming for you, it's going to be okay. Up until that point, Sita had not been assaulted, raped, but it was imminent. It was difficult times. All of the monkeys, all of the bears, a couple of chipmunks and all of Ram's army start to build a bridge. Yes, they have floating rocks. Yes, the fish help them, but still it's somewhat of an engineering task. Things take time. But they get there and the war, the great battle begins. Now, obviously Ram wants to take down Ravana. He stole his lady. Just because you've got ten heads don't mean you can be stealing people's ladies. That's the that's the main gist of the war, is to take down Ravana. But he's a really fairly fierce opponent. And and for for most of us, we would think, well, indestructible he's got the boons of the gods he's essentially got with the amrita and the 35 million years he's immortal and when you cut his head off another one grows back so it's going to be a fierce fight and yet this is the important part of today's story there is one believe it or not and yet ram manages to take him down in just seven Days. Now, Ram had some magical weapons and some mythical beings on his team. And, you know, he, he, he was putting everything he had into the fight. But still, he killed a being that was immortal. Took him seven days. Hey, good projects take time. But he did it. And so what I want to talk about today is why. Because this is the piece where I see yoga teachers getting stuck unnecessarily. So in order to understand why Ram was able to take down an immortal demon with two gods on his side, we need to understand what is the symbology, what is the, the, the metaphorical value of the heads themselves. Now again, as you can imagine, there are multiple ways that that the heads are, have sort of been tracked to different types of teachings. Either they represent all of the Shastras and all of the Vedas. That's one. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the, the, um, Ra, each of Ravana's heads represents a particularly, uh, let's just call it a negative emotion or a negative state or a mindset that can be, that can keep us stuck, can keep us in struggle, can keep us in limitation, can perpetuate the karmic cycle, right? Yes. So what are they? Uh, okay. So we got ego always gets a Anyway, we're not talking, don't do that, Amy, but ego, um, attachment, clinging, grasping, grasping, regret. That's a shit. Regret is a total shit. Uh, anger, hatred. Some people are, it's okay to hate though. I think there's an orange guy with fairy floss for hair that I hate. Anyway, moving on. I think he is Ravana. Hopefully though, not immortal. Move on, Amy. Fear, jealousy, greed, lust. And I like this one, sort of insensitivity or like sort of stuckness, stuckness. Let me go again. Ravana's heads, each of the heads represents one of these 10 negative emotions, the types of qualities that as good practitioners, we are seeking to 
overcome, dissolve, release, surrender, whatever. Ego, attachment, regret, anger, hatred, fear, jealousy, greed, lust, and insensitivity, stuckness. Hint, if you're listening to this and you are doing my social media confidence for yoga teachers course, there is two weeks of social media content for you to go post. 10 things, five posts a week, two weeks, do it. That was a sidebar. If you're not in that course, don't worry about it. Okay, so each of the heads represents each of, you know, one of each of these emotions. And here's the point that (laughs) I'm trying to make with the story. Ravana, because he has a head for each one of these, right? He is, um, he's, he's wildly governed by his negative emotions. He has more ego than most people. He has arguably 10 times more. He has more attachment. He has more regret. He has more anger. He has more hatred. He has more jealousy. He has more greed. He has more lust and he has more, uh, insensitivity. And we see that. We see that in the sub-stories in the Ramayana and other way, other places of Ravana, you know, the, the shitty things that he does. The, the you know, he's got this, like, his kingdom is just full of naked women and food, right? Just constantly. It's just a fuck fest with, like, Uber Eats. Uh, because of, because of it, too much of these emotions. Um and I, I don't say that lightly. You read the book, it's in there. Not that actual term. Don't forget to tick the explicit content box this week. Um, you know, he's got crazy jealousy. He's not supposed to be the king of Lanka. His brother is. His brother was bred for the purpose. But Ravana said to his dad, look, if you don't choose me, I'm going to kill you. And what are you going to do there? A little bit of jealousy, perhaps? Mm, maybe. I mean, we know about the ego. He had to try and prove to Lord Shiva that he was the strongest man by, like, <laughs> picking up his mountain. I mean, that's an egomaniac. Um, the, 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 the lust that he has in stealing Sita in the first place, you know, locking her up in a garden because she was the most beautiful woman and despite him having his situation, the Playboy Mansion on Sri Lanka, he he needed that bit too. You know, he was just riddled with this stuff. And, and, in part, that gave him his level of success, but it certainly didn't make him any friends and it certainly didn't make him a good practitioner and it certainly... Um, you know, made him made him reputable for all the wrong reasons. He had all of these negative qualities in spades. Like I said, he has ten heads, so you could make the point that in fact he could have ten times the amount of each of these. So while he technically was immortal, indestructible, not possible to take him down, going to live for 35 million years regardless of who came at him, can regrow a head in a heartbeat if he wants to, has got the elixir of life swirling in his belly. Despite all of that, Ram was able to take him down in just seven days. Why? Because he was completely beholden to these shitty emotions. 
Yes, he had all of these strengths, but when it all came down to it, he was taken out of the game because of his crappy emotional states. And that is the teaching that I want for everybody, from me at least, for today. This is chronic in yoga land. I see, I talk with, I have coaching sessions with so many yoga teachers who are in fact in this same pattern. Now, I'm not saying you've got a boudoir full of babes and, you know, KFC on tap. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you have all the smarts, you have all the skills, you've done all the work, hours, hundreds, thousands of hours of study, of practice. You have all of it, but you get taken down, you don't achieve your aims because of maybe one, maybe a blend, maybe, you know, some kind of your particular combination of these feeling states, of these emotional feeling states, of these thought patterns, of these negative beliefs. Now, for many of us, they don't show up in the sort of rajasic way that they show up for Ravana. For many of us, they show up in a more of a like a tamasic way, like a you know the ego is rather than look at me. The ego is more like don't look at me. You know the the um, the anger is internalized, not externalized. The fear is. Um, about what other people might think or what if we make a mistake. The jealousy doesn't show up as I want what she's having. It shows up more in the form of, as we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks, it shows up more in the form of comparisonitis. You know, the the greed, the low par here is not so much about, um, or at least as I experience it with talking to so many of you, it's not that you're greedy it's that you're, um, how do I put this? Again, it's the flip. It's the inverse here. It's more about that you have, in fact, um, an a, aversion to wealth and prosperity, that there's some kind of hang up, that if you want more than what you need baseline, you're somehow greedy. You're so avoidant of being labeled greedy that you do things like undercharge, undervalue your time, over deliver your services, these sorts of things. And absolutely, I see a bunch of yoga teachers on a weekly basis stuck in that inertia space, paralyzed, not doing anything, just spinning the wheels in that stuckness, not being sensitive to what needs to happen next or what's the next move to make because it's all just kind of like locked up. So, Oh, it gets to this point in the podcast where I always want to say, what do you think? But of course, you know, this is not a <laughs> DM me on Insta. If you, if, if this is resonating for you if, or just talk to you in your car or whatever, I talk to my podcasts all the time. So, you know, I guess we are having it. Maybe we are having a chat and I'm loving it. So, so I hope this is making sense. So the, the teaching that we get in this particular set of stories from Ravana is that it doesn't matter how mu- how smart you are, your abilities, how much you've practiced, 
how much you've trained, how much you've studied, none of it matters if you are still beholden to these negative emotions, to these fears, doubts, um, you know, uh, greed, inertia, hatred, anger, regret. If we're stuck in any of these in any way, the teachings and the trainings aren't going to get you there. And and this, I mean, this is why I love what I do because it's about bringing the two together. Yeah, I'm going to teach you some nuts and bolts stuff. You better believe it. But if we don't work on the inner landscape, the tools aren't going to serve you. You know, this is, if you are one of the I love you. If you are one of those yoga teachers who thinks another 50-hour certification is all I need to finally make it, you are you're in this pattern. You are in this pattern. Oh, we're having the yelling at the bird moment, I think. Maybe not. Okay, let's progress. So, you know, I saw the other day, I saw a um, 50-hour certification on breathwork on Instagram. I'm like, shit, man, who certified, who decided that they had the right to certify breath work? Like, what's going on here? I get that it's something that you might want to explore and learn, but but I reckon you just get breathing, like, without a certificate. Because otherwise I'm fucked because I don't have the certificate and what am I going to do in a moment when I'm not allowed to breathe anymore? You know, there's something wacky going on in yoga land where we think someone else's self-appointed certification is what we need for validation. It's not. I'm not saying stop learning. We're all addicted to learning. And I was talking to Patricia about this this morning. I was talking to Christy about this this morning. We're all addicted to it. And that's a great thing. When it comes from a place of passion and enthusiasm and joy and pleasure, Yes, learn. But when it comes from any of these types of qualities about like not being enough yet, jealous of what someone else is offering, fearful that you don't have the right speciality or the right whatever, what do you call it? Ideal, niche, yada, yada, whatever. You know, none of that is going to fill you up if you're still, none of the training is going to fill you up if you're still being limited by these states. So if you think that a certification, someone else's certification is what, like, I was talking to a fabulous brand new yoga teacher this morning. She said, I'm 50. I did my first yoga teacher training and the woman that taught me was 22. And I don't know if she'd been doing yoga very long. This is an interesting thing. It's not an ageist statement, but some, there is a lot of stuff in yoga land where people have decided that they're going to call themselves some kind of certification body. I mean, shit, I might do it myself. You want to get certified in potty mouth meets the piranhas? I got a 50-hour qualification for you. Comes with a certificate with a fake wax seal clip art on the bottom. It's a million bucks. I'm not going to do that. My point is you get to certify yourself. You You know enough already. You have all of the stuff like Ravana. And if you're not feeling empowered and righteous and like you're on the right path, if your business is not going in the direction you want it to, if things feel a bit wonky, my loving invitation today is that you maybe take a look at, all right, maybe it's not the stuff. Maybe it's not the skills. Maybe it's not the training. Maybe it's not the professional development. Maybe it's the inner landscape. Maybe I've got a little bit more work to do on 
me. And this is, as I was saying earlier, before I distracted myself, this is what I love about my job because so much of what I do is the blending together of the two. And I think we need that, right? It's like yoga itself. Nobody one, uh, maybe the first couple of times you do Astavakrasana, Crooked Sage pose, it's like, yes, I got Crooked Sage, yes. But after you've done it a couple of times, it's not the pose that you're going for. It's the adversity and the overcoming in achieving the pose and what you learn about yourself in the process that you're going for. And it doesn't have to be Astavakrasana. I went to, I remember driving to, I don't know, Sydney or something, and I stopped overnight and I took a uh, a one hour yoga nidra class. And that was one of the hardest classes I'd done. My head hurt so much <laughs> by the end from just resting on the blanket. Oh God. But you know, that's that overcoming and, and learning about yourself in the process. That's why we do asana. So we can get, go in, not so we can, you know, take a take, angle the camera at our bundas and take a photo for Instagram. That's not what we're doing. We're doing it about the inner landscape. So for today, again, Ravana had all shit. He was indefeatable. Like if you knew this guy, um, you would think, wow, like he's got all of it. He's worked so hard. You might not like him much, but damn, he has earned what he's got and he's going places big time. And then something happened and no, he's not. He's completely defeated. Yes, by Ram, but only by Ram because of these the inner landscape, the turmoil, the amplification of these negative emotions on the inner landscape. So let's talk about application. How may this show up for you? Um, uh, let's see. What have I what have I coached on with you all over the past week or so? Um, well, uh, I can think of a couple. So one, an obvious one, uh, is the photo shoot situation. Got all the training, great teacher, knows exactly what to do. Incredibly beautiful energy, terrified of the photo shoot and being visible. Why? Jealousy, fear, ego, pick them off the list. Uh, so business stalled, not because of the capacity that's all there. That's there in spades, but the inner landscape has a tweak. This is not saying you need like a year of therapy. This is just an awareness and, and a surrender to, to what it is and a decision to do it differently. Um, another yoga teacher, uh, crazy busy, crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean like not crazy busy teaching, crazy busy sending out Zoom links and managing payments and ticking people off the donation here and the Venmo there and the sliding scale that's $5 to $50 and but okay if you don't want to pay anything and just like drama in the admin, what the hell? And then wondering why she's so busy and not making much money. Oh, shit, I'm pretty obvious to me. Not because she's not great. She's got the training. She's exceptional. People love her. She's still, even now, after how much Zoom we've all been doing, she's still getting lots of people coming to her classes. Why the hell is her business su such a shit show? In a landscape, right? recognizing something's going on in me. And this is so incredibly powerful because you can fix that. You don't need a piece of paper to get that sorted out. You just sit on your cushion or take, get out your journal or I don't know, have a session with me, whatever you can fix that. It's good news. Um, let's see what else have, where else have I seen, um, 
Oh, oh, a great one. Uh, today, uh, talking to a yoga teacher who wants to open a studio, bless, and um, hasn't been teaching very long. So she's decided that she's just going to have other teachers come and teach and she'll watch them for six months or so before she starts teaching to make sure that she's got it. She's already done the training. She's already qualified. Remember, Yoga is an unregulated industry. All the certification bodies will try and tell you otherwise, and I'm not judging on whether you sign up to them all or not. I have no skin in that game, but it is. From a government's perspective, it's unregulated. It's not like to, to be a lawyer, you have to pass the bar exam. There is no such equivalent in yoga land. This person was going to build a studio, do the whole thing, but not teach yet because she wanted to wait until she'd spent another six months watching other people teach yoga. Again, she's got all the skills, she's got all the training, she's got the location, she's got the enthusiasm, she's got the passion, she's got the energy. It's the inner landscape that's keeping her from just bloody teaching. So I'm going to finish this up momentarily. But I thought, you know, Ravana gets a bad rap, as he should. He's an asshole. Uh, But I thought, wouldn't it be fun to look at a villain uh, instead of a hero and see what we can learn from from a villain. And I guess if you're a villain with 10 heads, there's a whole lot more to learn about. Imagine brushing all your teeth. It would take forever. I guess if you've got 20 arms, you just do them all at the same time. Hadn't thought of that. Hmm. I wonder if just one head eats, because presumably if you've just got one body, you can't, not all 10 heads can eat, because, I mean, that's 10 times the amount of food that you need. Hadn't thought about that either. Interesting. If you get a if you get COVID nineteen, if you've got ten heads and you get COVID nineteen, does that make breathing easier or more difficult? I guess you still got one set of lungs, but you got ten mouths sucking in the O two. I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting stuff. Thanks, Ravana, for showing us that no matter what you got going on on the outside, if there is something out of balance on the inside. You're going to stay stuck. But the good news, folks, is you don't need to get your ass kicked in seven days. You can just turn in and figure it out. And 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 if you already know that maybe there's something, a little bit of this going 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 on, um, you're in good company. Bloody hell, we've all got it. I mean, talk about lazy. Mine is law lazy. I mean, shit, I'm so good at making excuses for not doing stuff. Oh, you know, I mean, crazy about it. Uh, Okay, cool. Uh, I'm not going to shame myself or berate myself or compare myself or any of that. I'm just going to go, okay, look out. Um, All right. Yes, Amy, you can spend the day in your pajamas, but only if (laughs) you get that podcast out by 4 (laughs) p.m. You know, we get to be playful about this. Don't beat yourself up. If you recognize something, good news. You're just getting closer to free. Is that the Indio girls? Flashback. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Hey, before I do, I, um, I'm excited to announce that my brand new yoga and storytelling program is now available. It's happening. It's really happening. I've spoken to a lot of you. Uh, Thank you to everybody who answered my poll. Thank you to everybody who got back to me on Instagram over the weekend about your familiarity with the epics. Uh, It was all really useful. And what I've decided to do is really specialize in this stuff. So um, 
what I've done is put together a six-week course that is all about using these stories in life, in our own lives, in our businesses, and in our classes, workshops, and events. So if you like the way that I tell a story, uh, if you like being told stories, if you're interested in yoga mythology that's not the stock standard kind of teachings that everybody teaches, you know, for those of you who like a good goddess workshop but you've run out of goddesses, um, do go take a look. It might be for you. Essentially, it's going to be a two-hour class every week for six weeks where I'll tell you a different story every week pulled from the epics, pulled from the Ramayana or the Mahabharata, and we'll do the storytelling. And then we're going to open up satsang. It's going to be very conversational. And I'm going to walk you through the insights that you can get from your for yourself from the story, for your own life, for your own practice. We're going to talk about applying those stories to your business. What are the teachings in there? What actions are you going to take? We're also going to then talk about how can you use this story as part of what it is that you offer? How would you change it? How would you modify it? If you work with particular groups of people, what what emphasis do you need to place on which parts of the story? You know, which character is going to really appeal to to your audience? Is it is it more a story about the underdog? Is it more a story about the uh, you know, the, 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 there's so many fabulous teachings about the queer characters in yoga that you just don't see. You know, there's so much Shiva or Shakti and nothing in between. What happens to queer folks who are like, yeah, I'm not kind of feeling either of those, particularly polarity. Um, you know, how do you apply, um, you know, I was thinking about the, the teachings of, uh, the, some of the teachings of um Astavakrasa, like how do you talk about a really wise sage who was like disabled, um, who was not able-bodied? What does that look like? You don't see, you see all of these stories of strength and of superpowers, but what about stories of overcoming? What about stories of being orphaned? What about stories of being abused and surviving? How can we make these stories really relevant and relatable in a modern way to our studentship? Uh, so there's not about perfection and, um, you know, any of that stuff, but it's about recognizing, and this is what, what the Hindu pantheon is so powerful about, or I think is one of the ways that it's so powerful is that you can sample from the platter, you know, you can, um, and, and all of these deities and these characters are designed to be brought into your house and used this is a functional pragmatic approach to spirituality and this is not um you know my storytelling comes from yeah my love of yoga but also my background as a writer uh and and the pure joy in the narrative and how we can use archetypes to gain greater insight both for ourselves but also in providing those to our students to let them journey deeper into a teaching through storytelling. It's just so incredibly relatable. So all of this to say, <laughs> long-winded way of saying, thanks for your feedback. I finally uh, stuck it all together uh, and I have a new course. It's um, I'm just putting the finishing touches on the sales page, so it'll evolve a little bit over the next couple of days. But if you want to go check it out, uh, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. Uh, like I said, it's a it's a 
satsang, storytelling and satsang every week for six weeks. It starts in the middle of October, goes through to the end of November. Uh, all the information is on the page. The link is in the episode notes, or again, you can get it at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. If you like what we've done here today, if you're interested in uh, using story in your classes, if you just like learning more, you know, if you if you buy... I don't know, shit. If you buy the <laughs> if you buy the Ramayana or the Mahabharata, like it's a big read. You know. If you I have it as an audiobook, it's 40 hours of an audiobook. Uh it's a hefty thing. If you if the yoga studio where I sometimes teach here, you can still borrow it from the complimentary student library on VHS. It's eight tapes. I mean, I don't know who's watching that, but it's cute, right? It's a big book. Um, where do you start? Do you read it beginning to end? Um, not necessarily. Let's dip in and out of it. Let's play with some of the things that aren't just a pack of boys alone in the forest with a shared wife. Oh, yeah, we got that one. Or a brother who sucked the dice, had a gambling addiction. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. You know, let's let's really play with these in a way that's, um, you know, relevant. I don't know about you, but how many, yeah, sure, we like learning about Lakshmi and we like learning about Saraswati and we like learning about Kali. But I'm thinking at this point in time, yes, okay, sure, Kali is relatable to a degree, but the girl wears a skirt of arms. You know, I mean, I can get pissed off sometimes, but I'm never going to go craft myself an arm skirt. But you, But addictions... You know, like losing everything, the shame of your family because you've got a gambling addiction. I don't have a gambling addiction, but I'm making a relatable point. That's an interesting story. How many people come to class and need to know a little bit more about that? I mean, some of you actually teach yoga for addiction. Where are those stories showing up? What about the stories of, you know, survivors of sexual abuse? They're the freaking epics are full of them. Maybe that would be a good story. Not simply just become Carly and overcome your obstacles, but let's get more nuanced here. Let's let's really let people know that within these teachings, you are seen and valued and you can do it too. These, is, these are powerful stories. Again, these are archetypes. They're so relatable. We love listening to them and there is something about it that... You know, it's just it's just very human to relate to a story. Oh, anyway, listen to me. Can you tell that I love this stuff? So uh, check it out if you're interested, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. I am going to limit the number of people who sign up for it because I want to make sure that, um, you know, there's not too many people in there so that people can't be seen and heard. I, uh, I remember the first time I taught a yoga and story workshop. It was in Alice Springs. Um, which by Australian standards, folks from elsewhere is kind of close to Uluru, that big red rock, but not really, but that's just because we're vast. Uh, anyway, um, that was the first time I taught it at a Shivananda yoga studio in Alice Springs, um, to a room full of strangers. We had so much fun. Uh, and I've really worked to incorporate narratives anecdotes, archetypes, allegory in my teachings ever since. And people who've come on my retreat know that every retreat I pick a different story-based theme for the entire retreat and base my asana classes as well as the business coaching around those stories. So 
I am obsessed with this. If you want to hang out with me, do more of it, learn more of it, you want to get better at it yourself, um, or you just want to geek out about those sub-stories, those sub-characters, you know, the hornbag dad. That's a good one. Who knew that? Who knew that? If you have sex one more time, you'll die. Literally, Antichinus rooted himself to death. If you're not an Australian, that sentence doesn't make sense, but I, you can get my drift. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. The point I was attempting to make before I sidetracked myself again was that, um, you know, stuff is going to come up as it should because um, stories are transformers. Don't say it, Amy. If you just said more than meets the eye in your car, jive five yourself, you're a hero. Um, so that's why we're going to have a smallish group, not too many people, so that, um, yeah, we can all really be seen and heard. The, there's going to be a Facebook group for this program. I don't normally do that for my small programs, but I suspect there's going to be lots of ideas and resource sharing. I want to be able to share with you the books and the articles and the sites and the writers and the podcasts that I use for my story hunting. So uh, a repository for all of that in the Facebook group. So if you're looking for more yoga nerdy friends, you're going to get that too. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. I was not intending to talk about it that much. I guess I'm excited. All right, everybody, take good care and talk next week. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure. Of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.